This is a special episode of the Extreme Risk podcast. During my conversations with Mikhailo on the uh, Russia-Ukraine war episodes, we started discussing the potential for government oversight from a risk perspective, having proper governance at a government level, and having a chief risk officer. This chief risk officer would have accountability for risks. So where we've identified pandemic as a major risk like they did in the UK, actually preparing for it, actually doing something about it, and being held accountable for it, maybe not the chief risk officer themselves, but certainly if they've passed on this information to ministers, to the prime minister, there should be more accountability held. And with the chief risk officer, it makes the role more visible. Mikhailo and I discussed this, and uh, that's what we have in this episode. I would like to outline my observation. We need risk management on the governmental level. I mean, let's make an abstract example. Uh, let's say you are a large international enterprise and in one of your business lines, you are heavily dependent on uh, one supplier. And let's say in the year 2014, 15, uh, this supplier falls under various sanctions but you are still able to work with, with this supplier. And the sanction situation is getting worse year by year. And uh, what will be the discussion at your risk committee in the year 2019, for example, if you discuss the situation? So will your compliance officer signalize uh, that there should consider terminating operation with this counterparty? Or the head of risk uh, of this enterprise will suggest at least to decrease this dependence uh, or by diversification. And what will be the risk committee decision in this case, how it will look like? So if we talk about the multinational enterprises, this is something usual that you do during your, uh, your activity when you have risk management system in place. But now put the name of Russia as a counterparty in, in, the, in our example, and the government of uh, a European country that is heavily dependent on Russian gas supply. And basically this was a total failure of the system, of risk management system on the governmental level. And I think this is the time when we need to have it all, not only on the, in the public sector or private sector, but also in the governmental sector. I, I think I think you make a good point there, Mikhailo. And we've discussed this before on uh, things such as the, the the sort of the green transition. That we 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 tend to go into extremes. Yeah, we're going to close down coal power plants. We're not going to do this. We're going to go renewable. We're going to rely everything on on Russia because at least we're not producing that and we're not being dirty. We're just focusing on our green initiative. And so there was no resilience built built in there. I look at Sri Lanka where they went all organic farming. Um, and whilst that's not necessarily the reason why they're in the situation they're in, there wasn't this sort of transitional plan to move to all organic farming. And it, a lot of farmers really struggled in that period. I can look to the fact that in the UK, we had pandemic as one of our top risks on the national risk register for uh, years and we weren't prepared. We didn't have masks. We didn't have enough ventilators. We didn't have enough beds. We didn't have we weren't prepared. And, you know, there is 
at least they were looking at risk, but they didn't do anything about it. And I think it's because there's a lack of accountability for risk at a government national level. And I think there's a real um, argument for what you're saying there uh, in terms of focusing on risk and making sure our decisions are considering risk um, you know, at the right level. Um, I remember being in a meeting in, in Pakistan for an oil company. Uh, it was a training. I was giving a training to an oil company in Pakistan, and the CEO walks in, and I thought, wow, this is great. The CEO's coming to the training to show people that he's taking risk seriously. And there was about uh, 20 people in the room, 30 people uh, doing this training, and they were all very, very senior people, all the sort of the, chief, the chiefs, VPs, and, and the directors. And um, the CEO stayed for about an hour, and I thought, wow, he's really he's not just here for 10 minutes. That's dedication. That's good, because it was a two-day training program. Uh, so he stayed for about an hour, and um, eventually I asked if there was any questions. We had been discussing risk in decision-making and the fact that there needs to be communication and escalation of risks to the top. And someone stood up and basically said, CEO, I would like to highlight the fact that you do not consider risk in your decision-making. You're asking us to identify risk, but you're not making decisions based on the risks that we are giving you on an ongoing basis. And he was quite annoyed, you know? And I thought that was amazing that the CEO, they're willing to talk to the CEO like this. That's impressive that they feel trust enough that they can speak like this. Someone, and the CEO sort of turned around and said, uh, okay, I take your point. Does anyone else feel the same? And probably about three or four other people stood up and said yes, and they explained why. So then I thought, okay, so this isn't so good that clearly they're not using risk management, but it's good that there's this trust. The CEO then stood up, turned around and looked at them all and said, number one, I do understand your point. I do actually understand all your risks and I'm listening to your risks. And then he started giving examples of some of the risks that they had actually brought to him in the past. Then he said, we actually use this it's very important for us. We use it in our decision-making. And he gave examples of how they've used specific risks in their decision-making. He says, so you can see we take risk uh, very seriously. We take it from you. I understand your risks and I use it for decision-making and I've given you examples of how. Where we have failed is we haven't communicated this back to you. And for that, I apologize. So in that meeting, it was one of the, or one, that training session, that was one of the most powerful situations I've ever experienced where senior leadership have taken it so seriously. They've listened, they knew the risks, they could, you know, they could tell them back the risks to the people and they used it in decision-making, but they also took accountability for failure of communication. I thought it was fantastic. That's what we need more of at the top level of government and nations, uh, because when we're setting these strategies, these long-term strategies, these green initiatives, these transition initiatives, there needs to be a risk-based plan that considers the transitional risks. So I really love what you, what you brought in. Um, and I think this is how risk management does play a part. One of the questions I was gonna ask you is how does risk management play a part? So let's just take this scenario that we do have this governmental risk body or a risk chief risk officer. What is the role of risk management in these types of situations? So, uh... This is would be something uh, like a dream when we have national risk officer in place in the government. But the key role of this person is to always add this other part, uh, other side of the coin. Uh, 
okay, we have state budget. It's formed based on the incomes. So we, we mostly look at the, uh, say, black figures. And then risk manager brings on the table the scenario. What if the war does not end by the end of this year? What will be our state budget? What, how our income side will suffer? What if it will end, uh, let's say, in the fourth quarter? What if the prices will go lower or upwards or downwards? So bring this challenge. This is the first and uh, most important task. Challenge uh, your targets, challenge your strategy. Whether it's state budget, where is the European Green Deal? Whether it's uh, the shift from, uh, let's say, uh, fossil fuels to, to renewables, whether it's the uh, national healthcare system that you mentioned, okay, we knew the risks. So what? So what we do? What did we do to basically um, mitigate this risk? And the this risk officer is responsible for for the system and for the culture. Since uh, I don't know, this is something like uh, outside of the box example that you made with the CEO, but I think this is the target for ourselves. So uh, besides the communication, but so the CEO, the head of government, the ministers, they know their risk profile. They do not focus only on achieving the, the targeted figures, but also make the system resilient, whether it's the uh, government, whether it's enterprise, whether it's your uh, household. The main issue on the table today is resilience. It's not, uh, we put resilience on the first place and then uh, income on, and profits uh, on the second place. Absolutely. I, I love that. You know, when we talk about resilience as a, at a country level, it's funny because, you know, after 2008 banking crisis, suddenly oh, well, we need to make sure that the banking system is resilient. Why weren't we doing that before? You know, oh, yeah, well, now we know that they need to be resilient and they need to have enough reserve to make sure if there's a crisis, they can handle it. This should have been done long before that, but they wait until a disaster happens. Um, I, and and on, in terms of challenging the budget, I've always found it so interesting that at a national level, if you look at the USA, Every year it's the same, or every at least every few years it's the same. Uh, hurricane, oh, we, we didn't expect that. It's out of the budget. We're gonna have to, to pay all this extra we didn't have. We now need to raise the debt ceiling. Flooding, oh, we never expected all these floods. Well, you should have expected it because everyone knows that this, this area floods. Oh, it's tornado season that's much bigger than ever. We didn't expect that. Oh, forest fires. Every few years, there's something we didn't expect. Maybe we should start expecting it. Plan for the unexpected. Put aside a contingency. Don't you know, uh, put all your money into the one budget and have nothing left over. Um, and something that I really like is um, the story about the, the, the Norwegian um, oil fund. When they discovered oil, they were ready to give up actually, they couldn't find any oil. It was an Iraqi who came, he'd been working in the UK, he came, he used to be in the ministry in, in, in Iraq. Uh, he came to Norway looking for a job and he met with the oil um, ministry in, in, in Norway. It was literally one, one guy and his sort of secretary and that was the, the oil ministry in Norway because they didn't have oil. They were basically ready to give up. And basically he looked at it, he said, don't give up, 
let them finish uh, exploring. It's going to cost, but you've paid for it anyway. Let them keep exploring. There's a few more places they can explore. And bang, they hit the jackpot. Found all this oil. We need a national oil strategy. What are we going to do? They went to a cabin, sat in a cabin for, I don't know, a month or two to really build up this strategy. What was the strategy? It was about resilience. The oil company is going to be a national oil company owned by the people. That money is going to go into a fund to make sure that it protects the people of Norway for generations to come. It's not all going to be about profit and then spending the money, you know, um, and, and then we've, we've lost all this money. And they were focused on resilience of a country for generations. You could define the whole country out, out of work for the next two generations. They've got the money to, to keep living. You know, that is a resilient uh, country. And that's what... Uh, people need to aspire to, countries need to aspire to, in my opinion. Um, I, I really like that. And it came from an Iraqi. I only learned that when I was in Iraq. An Iraqi mm -hmm. guy said, oh, yeah, it was, and he said the name of this guy. He basically, uh, you know, helped you build the whole strategy. I was like, that doesn't sound like a true story. And then I read up on it. I was like, wow, that's amazing.